Gabe, are you recording things? I'm recording. Hey, we're doing a podcast. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, we've got uh, we've got our buddy. He uh, he's raced in a bunch of things. He took me for a fun rider on Gingerman a few years ago. Um, Michael from FCP Euro. What's up, Mister uh, Mister Hertzen? I can never remember. I can never remember if I say it right. Is it Hertzen? Herkes Herkes Hey guys. Hertzen. Yeah, Herzen. just like it's spelled. H U R C Z Y N. Yeah, just like it's spelled. That gets me every time. Um, I think it's Herkesian. Yeah, Herkesasian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well. Yeah, some people call me the Herzicane. <laughs> All right, so he, uh, Michael's on his way home from, uh, I assume, work. Uh, we're going to see, or at least, I don't know if Abe's coming yeah. for sure, but I'm going to see you next weekend, uh, or next week, in Willow Springs, or at, at Willow Springs. I'm going to figure it um, out. Like, uh, the flight's Abe, a little bit of money, but I'm going to do it anyway. Abe's going to figure it out. So, uh, so we might we might get to do some track things next week. Um but you looks like you recently did some track things with a new race car. Um, you want to give us a, a few details? You used to race TCR, and it uh, looks like you have a new toy. Yeah, so we, yeah we, we sold the TCRs, and we're moving up into the, the GT4 class, and we're moving over to IMSA from uh, TC America. Uh, so kind of a, a step up in, in two directions there. And uh, so we got the Mercedes AMG. Uh, GT4s and they're incredible machines. They're so uh, pretty too. So pretty. Uh, yes, they they look good. Uh, they actually they sound they're really loud when you start them up, but then on the track you don't hear them that much. But inside okay. the car, it's it's really violent and loud. Um, you know that <laughs> it's got pneumatic. Uh, you know it's got a Hewland uh, transaxle in the back, and it's got pneumatic shifting, and it sounds like a BB gun every time you you know uh, shift. And it's just so crisp and so fast, and it does all the race car things that you'd expect it to do, and it's a lot of fun to drive. Uh, what what does that car share with the street version of that of that same chassis? Like, do you know what it crosses over? Uh, a lot of stuff, actually. So you know, the engine is detuned. I think the the street car has like six hundred something horsepower. This is detuned to about five ten, five fifteen, and uh, you know, the suspension, the the. You know, even the tie rod ends are just regular, like, OE tie rod ends. There's nothing uh, special about them. So there's actually a lot of streetcar parts on there. Um, obviously, there's some some race car bits that are homologated to, uh, you know, keep keep things level. Uh, yeah, it, you it's know, a global, it, basically a global class, kind of like TCR, but just a step up. Huh? Yep, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to manage the heat because uh, the cars, you know, it's a, it's a twin turbo V8. The, the cars generate a lot of heat. So that's one of the, the main, uh, you know, components of it. But because the thing is so detuned, um, it's kind of like a locomotive. You just, you just get in it and go and, and the thing works. So what's the driving experience like compared to everything else you've driven? I would guess it's a little faster than TCR and a little bit, uh, I mean, it's rear, rear wheel drive versus front wheel drive. Yeah. But. So it was, what was surprising is how quickly we were able to bring it up to speed. You know, the TCR probably took us a year to figure out how to get the back end to stick and not come around every single corner. And <laughs> even then, it was, it was And then in this car, by, you know, maybe hour two of driving it, we are already, you know, pretty close to, uh, you know, to speed and just making some tweaks. Um, the, the biggest difference for me was was the braking. 
Uh, if this, <laughs> this car feels like you hit a wall, and a TCR feels like an E30 <laughs> braking compared to what this thing does. So, yeah. um, e- e- even though it's a heavy car, uh, it just you know you step on the on the brake pedal, the thing just stops. Uh, the other thing is uh, the the traction control. So it's got a you know really? all the motorsport electronics in it, and the traction control sounds like a Formula One car. You know, it's ignition cut, and uh, there's 11, 11 settings of it, and the hardest thing to learn was not to lift your foot out of the throttle when, when the back end was stepping out because the car would just kick in and, and do wow. it for you. And, so it's, that's a, you know, that's it's doing a, it thousands of times a second. And very cool. Work I, I wouldn't have imagined those cars were, uh, were that tunable and traction control and stuff. I don't know too much about that class as a whole, but, um, yeah. Uh, do you guys plan to run a whole calendar of MC, MC events this year? So the, there's actually an event this weekend at Sebring, which we will not be at, sadly. We basically decided, okay. you know, late in the fall that we were going to start the season in May at yeah. Mid-Ohio because we were going to, at that time, miss the first three rounds. Um, but they've since moved Laguna Seca in April to September. So we'll actually be able to make uh, eight of the ten rounds and uh, have almost a full season start in, in May after, uh, you know, the vaccine's available and hopefully uh, a little bit safer conditions. So I uh, figure not traveling from Connecticut to Florida twice and then to California. Uh, a, cut a lot of expense out of the season. B, uh, was a little And also, like, those Sebring and Daytona are probably, like, the highest expense races is from, from consumables, I would imagine. Well, they, they oh, told yeah, us that's a four-hour right, race, right. so that's that right. one definitely... Not, you wouldn't you know, be in the 24-hour. Right. Hey, guys, um, we're not, at a sink. Not yet. Sink. 20, 2023. Do you want to start the call over it? Yeah, I'm going to call you guys right back. Hello? Hey, so Michael cut out for a second, and then when he came back, uh, people were out of sync. Yeah, once in a while, Facebook does that, where if the, if the call is dropped, then it's trying to catch up for like five minutes. Um, so, are you back uh, back in recording? Andy? Yep, we were talking about Sebring and the expense of the big tracks. Yeah, would uh, would the Sebring event? Would you guys run the whole twelve hour? Or do they have a shorter support race for Sebring? No, so Sebring's just a two hour race. So they have uh, twenty four hours okay. Daytona. They run a four hour. And then they at the six hours of Glen weekend, they also run a four hour enduro. The rest of the season is just two hour enduros for for this class. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I thought GT3 was in the. Or is it GT4 or GT3? This this is a GT4 car. GT3, fingers crossed, maybe 20. GT4, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. What's uh, the difference uh, between those things in in like in the GT4 GT3 level what is actually the the difference between uh, those two categories are you pretty up on that on the rules there so yeah so GT3 is is a lot more arrow this is actually less arrow than the TCR car had uh, it's it's yeah. pretty close to stock obviously has a wing uh, has a, a big front splitter but um, you know pretty pretty standard you know downforce levels the TCR I think had like twice as much downforce as this car has yeah had on the GT3 side arrow. Yeah, uh, on the on the GT3 side, you know that's that's full arrow. You know the yeah. you know big big diffuser in the rear, big air, you know big spoiler in the back, and um, you know those cars are and for for the Mercedes anyway. That's a naturally aspirated V8, um, a little bit more power, you know, but lighter everything, better brakes. Right. You know the, the transmissions, I believe, are actually the same, um, but just a, a different drivetrain. But uh, you know the interior looks pretty close. Um, it's just a matter of you know fit and finish, and probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so how have things been in, uh, in FCP Euro World? You guys had a pretty good year last year. Um, we had a really good last year, and, and, and honestly, it hasn't slowed down. And so wow. we, yeah, we're actually having, uh, a, I, I don't know, every time there's a stimulus that goes out, people lose their minds. We're actually today, we're trying to figure out how to catch up because we're 100% growth week over week from where we were last week. No so, way. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, really good problems to have. Um, but we're, you know, last year, one of the initiatives was to expand our facility. So we're actually working um, to, we, we have a, a facility open in New Jersey. We're looking to, uh, we're going to be the anchor tenant at a facility in Salt Lake City that's going to allow us to service the West Coast within a day or two. And wow. then at, at the end of the year, we're going to have a, a third location uh, or fourth location uh, opened up in Dallas that allows us to serve, uh, you know, kind of the, the southern so tier there. I'm, so, I'm really interested on the, the business side here because I think this is kind of a, a neat story. So FCP Euro has been around um, a while, right? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, you guys, has it really just been kind of a slow burn and, and growth pretty steady? Or has, has something changed in the organization that's allowed you to, like, uh, really fit a new market and, and capture this space? So the, the brick and mortar started in 1986. Nick, our, our president founder, you know, grew up at the brick and mortar, memorizing the, you know, the Volvo parts catalogs. And he took the company in line in 2001, around the time of, you know, eBay. One of our, our things that we do really well, one of our differentiators is, is our virtual kitting. And that kind of came about because when they were uploading products to eBay, it was a pain in the butt to put up 10 individual products that people were buying together anyway, and then people had to, you know, win 10 auctions. So they were basically just putting things up together. And we have kept that philosophy even to this day where we put together everything that you need to to complete a job on your car and you just, you know, single click of a button, everything goes into your cart. Smart. And so yeah, and so we've we've kind of built the the company there. But since Nick took it online in, in two thousand one, uh, Scott Droz, our, our CEO, and and Nick have been together since that point, and we've had double digit organic growth uh, since two thousand one. And in two thousand, I mean, there's a there, we can go back and forth a, a lot on this, but in two thousand sixteen, uh, we kind of doubled down on investing in the brand. We were able to recapitalize some debt and had a little bit of cash that we can invest into the company, invest into the brand. So we started really, you know, going out into the enthusiast market. That's when we started, uh, you know, getting involved in some of the motorsport stuff. That's when we started uh, being more active in the automotive communities, going to car shows, uh, holding car shows at our facility. And then, you know, things have just kind of snowballed from there. And, um, you know, we've we've continued to invest in in our people. Um, even last year during the pandemic, since March, we hired about 40 people. Holy and cow. so, yeah, we're, yeah, man, we're growing could, really quickly. If I could convince my wife to move to Connecticut, I'd probably apply. <laughs> I, I saw it on LinkedIn that you guys have like a million job uh, uh, postings listed. So if uh, if you're in that area and looking for work, you should consider FCP Europe. Yeah, and we so careers.fcbr.com is where you can find all our open positions, and then we have other positions that haven't even made it up onto the website yet. But uh, one of the things that we're doing is is realizing, you know, we have a great culture, so we, we love to have people in the office. But as we're expanding around the country, we know that not everybody's going to be able to come in to our Milford facility. So we've actually started hiring some remote people, especially on the development side, just to try to attract that talent. But um, you know, we. We, we have a great team. We, we continue to attract, uh, you know, great talent. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's an exciting time for us for sure. So yeah, um, that's a, that's I, phenomenal uh, year over year though. I read a, uh, a book about business strategy that, that I think is interesting here. And it was talking about companies, um, like working extra hard to serve their most diehard fan base because those those people uh if you can keep them happy are basically worth their weight in gold in terms of word of mouth advertisement right and so i I think you guys moving into the enthusiast market is really uh favorable because those people are the people that don't shut up about cars ever (laughs) yeah especially in the uh in the older um, enthusiast, like the 80s and 90s right now. I mean, it's uh, you're probably selling a lot of 80s, 90s, and early 2000s car parts, and those are the people that uh, are, are ruining Facebook uh, with all their pretty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, our sweet spot's about 5 to 15-plus years. Yeah. Um, you know, cars that are under warranty, you know, that not, not really our customer just yet. You know, we sell some roof racks and floor mats and things like that. But uh, the sweet spot is is the cars that are out of warranty and people are maintaining as second, third owners. And, yeah. you know, one of those, you know, we, we do a lot of things to get people to, you know, stay into our ecosystem. Our, our whole philosophy is not giving people a reason to shop somewhere else. So one of those things is our lifetime replacement guarantee. So if you buy a part once for us, you never have to buy a replacement for that as long as you own your car. And so, and that includes everything, brake pads, wiper blades, oil, whatever it may be. Uh, as long as you still own your car, you can buy a replacement, ship back the original, and we'll, we'll credit you back for the, for the replacement cost there. Yeah, that is a pretty crazy warranty. It's kind of unprecedented in our, we've talked about it a bunch. Um, it's kind of unprecedented in the, in the space, uh, I think. But um, I, I also think it's really cool that you guys are uh, kind of, you know, the marketing side of it, you, you invest a lot of it into events. Obviously, you're partners with Gridlife um, yep. and, and also the, um, the racing, like you know, spending a bunch of years moving a bunch of TCR cars around racing in, uh, in SRO, TC America. Like that's a huge investment, but it's also uh, you had some success. Um, what uh, what uh, what was your success record uh, with the TCR cars? So in, in 2018, when we first got the cars, we were running in, in same series, but it was parallel wheel challenge back then. Right. And we had the, the DSG gearboxes um, and running against uh, the Hondas and the Hyundais with sequential gearboxes. And the BOP was never, never sorted out. And so we, you know, we finished the, the top of the DSG field uh, at that point. Uh, the following year, we said, you know, enough of this, upgraded our cars to sequential boxes, uh, wanted a chance to run up front, wanted a chance to fight for wins and fight for the championship. And, and we did just that. So um, I, I finished first in the championship. Uh, my teammate, Nate Vincent, finished uh, second. We won the, the team championship. We won the manufacturer championship for Volkswagen. And we even won uh, the Jim Cook Award, which is an award that Astro gives out for for, you know, basically being a good neighbor and, and showing up, uh, you know, the way they'd want, want a team to show up. So it was, 2019 was a really fun year for us. Yeah, that's uh, that's super cool. I hope uh, I hope the GT4 program uh, is easy to jump into. What's the competition like in GT4 right now? So for Sebring, I believe they have 25 uh, GS entries and they have 15 TCR entries. So it'll be a, a, a field of 40. Um, that's, that's a pretty healthy field. There's a lot of competition, uh, a lot of, a lot of teams that have been running in that series for a long time. So, you know, our, our goal is to just go in and, 
you know, be able to compete. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, we're we're a little bit more organized than than some of the other teams that we, you know, we compete against. Just the, what we see in the paddock, uh, even for this test that we did last week and first time the cars are on the track, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, getting them prepared and the cars ran flawlessly for for two days with you know only minor you know brake fluid cap was was leaking a little bit because the seal was wasn't as good. But um, you know, re- really. That, that's our main philosophy. Just like we run our business, there's a lot of process and a lot of, um, you know, hard work that goes into it. And, and when you show up, you, you want it to look boring because that means that you did all the work <laughs> before you got there. Um, what uh, what kind of cars uh, are are you guys driving against for those? Uh, I mean, I casually have followed IMSA when I know people that are in it. Um, but what, uh, yep. what kind of cars are you guys going to be competing against? So the GS class, there's everything from, you know, every car is a GT4 car. So it's Camaro, Mustang, uh, BMW M4. Obviously, there's going to be other Mercedes in there. There's an Aston Martin. Um, what else am I missing? There's a new Toyota Super GT4. Oh, cool. Uh, that, that a couple guys are running. Um, I know there's something else I'm missing. I can't think. Of. Oh, Audi R8 is the other, is the other big one. Oh, okay. There's a, there's I remember a seeing a whole, a whole flock of the BMW uh M235Is uh, a couple of years ago, but um, or yep. whatever, maybe M4 or what it. I don't know. They all kind of look the same to me. They all look like BMWs, but uh, yeah, that's it that seems to be a very popular class. So. The, it, it is a popular class. It's, it's a lot of car for the money. I mean, it's it's not they're not cheap, but you know the factory developed them similar to the TCR uh, standard, but they're just a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more start, a little bit faster. I mean, so, our car our car came. We got our cars, you know, secondhand, but our, our cars came with uh, air conditioning in them too. So, uh, oh wow! Hopefully, that'll keep us cooler. And look at you. So know, we, we don't have to talk necessarily about how expensive GT4 cars are, but like uh, at some point, you guys made the decision that you wanted to go into the GT4 program. How do you shop for a car like this? So, for us. You know, we looked at it. There, there's a lot of cars. The Mercedes is probably the most expensive GT4 car, or one of the most expensive GT4 cars, uh, to purchase and and to operate. One of them, one of the reasons being is is the transmission. It's got a proper sequential Hewland in it, and I think it's like forty or forty five thousand dollars, some ridiculous number. It's um, sequential cost, yeah. Yeah, but we uh, so so we actually we bought our cars from from Riley, who ran the the purple wins cars last year. Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, you know. Riley Technologies has has a pretty big name. They you know they know, kind of know what they're doing, and and so we were able to get essentially both of the cars for the cost of what a new car plus some spares would, would be. So, um, you know, we, we still had to go through them. They, you know, the cars were used. They the the competition is pretty close, so they had some scrapes and bruises on them. But we we've cleaned them up pretty good. We've got replaced all the things that need to be replaced, and you know hopefully they'll, they'll be good cars for us. But um, you know, Mercedes for us was a strategic move because we sell European car parts. BMW is our number one make as far as uh, you know sales go, and Mercedes is number two and growing really quickly. So we wanted okay. to place ourselves in, into that marketplace. Yeah, it does. It does sort of like assert the uh, "Hey, we know what we're doing." When you do well with a Mercedes race car, also like it's got a, it's got some prominence. It's very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, uh, so, what's a car um, like? A car like that? Like, what's a consumable on a GT4 car? Is it tires, brakes, uh, or or is that like a full tear down between weekends? What's the plan for that? No, I, I mean they're pretty, they're pretty robust, and because they're so detuned. 
yeah. I don't think there's going to be much. I mean, the, the engines, I think, are like 40 or 45K before they need to rebuild, uh, similar to transmissions. We, you know, we, we changed the fluids. We changed the gearbox fluid uh, right before the test because we weren't sure what was in there. Um, you know, the brakes, the, the rotors, the front rotors specifically, they just generate a lot of heat, so that we're probably going to go through front rotors pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, tires were allotted five sets of tires per race weekend, and you know that's that's a pretty pretty hefty expense. The wheels are not cheap, um, so you know, banging off the curbs could could get expensive pretty quickly. Um, the the bumper, so the bumper and the grill. If you if you look at it, there really isn't a bumper. It's just a big nose that sticks out. The bumper, yeah. I think, is like thirty-eight hundred bucks. The grill with the with the Mercedes <laughs> emblem is thirteen hundred dollars on top of the thirty-eight. So yeah, it is so very bump 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 not hitting. Bump anything. drafting needs to be kept to a minimum. Huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but that's a that's a very that's a very cool uh, car. And is that a factory engine too, or is it? Uh, uh, yeah. I know it's got it's got heavy restrictors on it. I think they actually use like an intake restrictor on the turbo. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's the factory engine. The it's a you know the, both of the turbos are, are squeezed into the into the V of the of the V8, yeah. and um, everything from that side is, is pretty much factory. Uh, you know, there's, it's there's OE, yeah, there's OE parts that we just order from our own catalog to uh, service the cars, and. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that's one of the nice parts about this is that there isn't, you know, when, once you get into GT4 or sorry, into GT3 territory, that's when you get some of the more bespoke racing components and things get even right. more expensive. But we just got our, our data logging cable from from Bosch or Mercedes. That's a Bosch cable. And that was like eleven hundred bucks just for the cable. to be able to look at the data. So we're. <laughs> We're in a different category, but yeah, luckily we have some. Fun. Yeah, we, luckily we have some good partners. We're, we we found a way to leverage our, our partners to help you know help sell their products and and they in, in turn help uh, you know fund our race program. Right. No, I, I think it's really cool to see somebody like uh, like FCP Euro like really swinging for the fences though in in pro racing like IMSA and SRO like that's that's the that's the U.S. pro racing and sports car. Uh, and you did quite well in SRO. I'm pretty excited to see how you guys do in IMSA. So. Um, and yeah. uh, and yeah, also, I think, excited I think to, to get started. You actually ran a GLTC racer too in your Mercedes. Uh, was did you run a racer too, or was that I know I know I know Nate did. I, yeah, we we jumped back and forth. We did the race at uh, Midwest Fest uh, two years ago. We right. did it at South as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The cars. The, the car is great. It fits. It fits into the class, but the car just has a stock, you know, C three hundred, uh, you know, three liter V six in it, and it, it's. I think it has like one hundred ninety horsepower at the rear wheels, and the car still weighs close to three thousand pounds. So yeah, you were probably weight. about twenty horsepower down. Yeah, we we. Uh, so one of the plans for that car for this year is to uh, find a V eight. So just add the additional two cylinders that they lopped off to make make that engine and, and get a little bit more horsepower. And uh, make that into a, a front-running GLTC car. Is uh, are you guys still racing that? You built it as a, what a WRL or AER car? That was an AER car. Yeah, we we haven't raced it. I mean, last year we didn't do anything. So, um, right. you know, we, we ran the first race at Coda, went straight to St. Pete, and then uh, at eight o'clock on Thursday morning uh, of the practice day, we just decided to pack up and go home. And Friday, eleven o'clock, SRO red flag the session, and sent everybody home anyway, and uh, that was yeah. the end of our season. So. 
Yep. Yeah. I, 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 one of the guys that works with us, Gary Cummings, he was uh, actually at the race, and he called me about 10 minutes later. He said, uh, the state of Florida shut us down. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty, it was an interesting time back then, early COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that would be exciting to see the, uh, the the enduro car turn into a little bit more of a uh, a big boy heavy but uh, front running GLTC car. Yeah, that's got all C63 uh, brakes on it, and it has a you know a proper suspension on it, and so you know the the car handles and stops for days. It just uh, yeah. needs a little bit of help in the power department. That was the first car that I actually saw run GLTC with a retrofitted MK60 ABS system, and now we've got probably half a dozen of them. So. Yeah, um, it's plug and play, 12 volts, and it, off you go. Yeah, and you guys actually did it just, I think you did it just to run um, and not have ABS that was uh, trying to kill you or something. But. Well, we couldn't, the, the stock system, so we actually have two ABS brains uh, bolted to that, that system. The stock system, we could either get rid of ABS and get rid of traction control or keep both. And right. we couldn't figure out a way around it. So we actually run five wheel speed sensors, and the fifth one is just to go to the stock Mercedes uh, computer to trick it to you know that it's moving otherwise it wouldn't allow it to rev past <laughs> four grand and then yeah. we'd run the the other four uh, sensors to you know the ABS pump to you know engage that and uh, we bypassed the whole system so basically two ABS computers uh, zip tied to each other sitting underneath the hood <laughs> I remember seeing it in tech inspection and being like pretty fascinated when I heard the story it's, it, uh, it's not a car that you see as a track car very often but uh it actually looks and moves pretty good out there. So. Well, yeah. uh, Michael, um, having done some pro racing and, and kind of dabbled in GLTC a little bit, uh, can you compare and contrast the difference on track between the, uh, the the different series? So one of the things that I really like about GLTC is just the, the, the number of entries you guys have. So there's always something to do. It doesn't matter how fast or, or how slow your car is. Um, you, you know, you'll, you'll have somebody to compete with. And because the races are a little bit shorter, you know, it's not like the field stretches out all that much. Uh, the biggest difference, I'd say, is the, you know, the, the level from the front of the field to the back of the field is, is much narrower in a pro race. So yeah. it'd be much much harder to pass the people at the back um you know there's still you know some some pretty rich guys that run in the back of any of the pro races um that are that are not up to you know par with the guys up front but uh for the most part you know the car preparation and the driver speed is, is just the biggest difference but i mean there's really close competitive racing in both series um i think the guys in in gltc probably don't bang doors as often because they got to pay for most of that themselves or uh, <laughs> it's also frowned upon but um outside of that you know the the, the biggest difference i say is just in, in the level of, of preparation um you know everybody in the in a pro paddock is spending hours and dollars to try to get the car to be as close to the fastest as possible where in gltc you'll have maybe you know five to ten guys that are that are close to the pointy end and the rest of the guys just haven't figured out how to engineer the car to, to be faster we have seen a we have seen quite a change in that that, that culture is shifting a little bit it's uh, that pointy end is getting bigger uh and people are ruining their lives financially to run gltc i think <laughs> so, uh, we, we are we are noticing that the, the, yeah, the winning formula came in is is a uh, is a pretty stout car well, and we that's did, the second uh, one we that did a they show built. with them while we were at Coda, and an interesting thing that I, I think people aren't paying attention to is that Aaron thinks his Kamiata is better. Uh, yeah, and so like, uh, 
people forget that we had a PDK Porsche Cayman running all year last year. I think the difference was is that Aaron wasn't driving that. Well, yeah. and, and Scott Bowling did quite well yeah. too, and it was it was also the car that they were basically developing, so they were figuring it out for a season. Um, but it was regularly a top nine, top five, top ten car. It was in I think it was in most of the top ten shootouts um, that we did, or all the top ten shootouts that we did. But uh, but they had a whole season of development, and then they just basically copied the car. So it's uh, yeah that uh, they didn't that wasn't a brand new build at Coda. It just happened to not race with us yet. You know, sure. I'm excited to see the variety, though. I think the white paint makes that car stand out a lot more than the silver does. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't look like a Camry color. That thing is it's pretty stunning and pretty clean. So Anyway, well, we, uh, I think we, we made a show, and maybe we'll get to make another one next week when we're hanging out at Willow Springs. So. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week. What, uh, what's your plans for California? you doing a tour of partners and suppliers and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, so it's funny because when, when we found out you guys were doing Skip Day, you know, I, of course, I'd like to go, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that I was going to go. And so I called up Michael Lassa, who, you know, we sponsored Formula Drift. And I said, hey, would you be available uh, to give a few partners, uh, you know, some, some rides at, at Will Springs on this Thursday? And he said, uh, probably, but I'm going to be doing the FD Skills Challenge at Irwindale the day before. And I'm like, oh, I, I have an excuse to go now. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> you know, looking at the number of partners that, that are in Southern California that we should be hitting up. Um, you know, decided to, uh, you know, make the trip out there. We also are, uh, we, we've signed an agreement with Hoonigan to do some stuff with them uh, on the content side this year. And one of them is uh, Michael S is building a, a F30 BMW with a B58 in it, the same, same engine that's in the yeah. Supra now. And um, we're going to be, you know, he's going to make that into a demo car. We'll see that out at, at Grid Life Festivals this year. And, you know, potentially could be his, his uh, competition car uh, next year if, if development goes well on that car. Cool. Uh, so he's but, building it to like a full pro spec, though. Yeah, full pro spec. Going to have, you know, all the horsepower, all, you know, quick change diff, all that stuff. And nice. then, uh, you know, Hoonigan's going to film a build biology on it. At some point, we'll uh, hopefully be able to race the Hoonicorn with it. So doing some cool things on, on that side as well. Awesome. Uh, well, we'll look forward to see you uh, in the weird mountains and dustiness of Willow Springs in five days. So. Uh, or no, yeah, five days probably awesome. from uh, it's a week from tomorrow. Um, yeah, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we get Abe there, and we can all uh, we can all mask up and uh, stick microphones in each other's faces. So. More shows. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you guys over at FCP Euro uh, being a partner of the show. Also, our Patreon listeners and uh, Apex Pro. So apextrackers.com, FCP Euro uh, is uh, and everybody knows where to find them and buy your oil and consumables and all the parts to fix your BMWs, Mercedes, Volkswagens, etc. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks, yeah, I hope the rest of your drive home is good. Talk to you soon, man. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Life to say hello. 